Hey, welcome everyone to tonight's uh, special edition of Return of the Knicks podcast and YouTube channel. We have a uh, tonight. We're gonna have a little discussion. I'm gonna bring in my my partner in here from A. You all know him from A to Z Media. Uh, from to have a good content there. Uh, salute to my main man Z. Who congratulations first and foremost on your Michigan victory over Ohio State. Salute Z. How are you, man? Oh man, I'm on cloud nine still. It was such a great team win. I know this is Knicks related, but uh, congrats on Jim Harbaugh for finally beating our rivals. So can't wait to talk to this Knicks, especially after a big win for my Knicks, too. Hope, hope you're doing well, Kev. I'm doing well. My Thanksgiving was well. I know we've spoken before that, but I just uh, I hope your Thanksgiving was really, really excellent. It was fun watching that Michigan with you game. I'm not a college football fan or, 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 you know, I do watch it from time to time. That was a real good pro, uh, promo. Hey, Jeff Dan. Oh, let me bring Jeff Dan. I'm sorry. Salute, Dan. Hey, salute to you, Kev. Salute to you, Z. How you doing, man? How, how, how you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. We we got a lot to unpack tonight. Let's go. Let me give a quick uh, brief of what happened last night before we get into some deep discussion. We have a, a, a really top, uh, intense topic tonight. The Knicks win tonight, 99. Uh, Knicks won last night, excuse me, 99 to 90 over the Atlanta Hawks. To improve their record to 11 and 19 and dropping the Hawks to 11 and 10. We saw a lot of things going on for the Knicks, especially shooting 43.9% from the field, 36 out of 82, holding the Hawks to 35.5 from the field, 33 out of 93. The Knicks shot 37.9% from the three point land, 11 for 29, while holding the home team 9 out of 37 for holding them for 24.3% from three point land. And the Knicks sh uh, shot 72.3%. Uh, seven percent from the free throw line, sixteen out of twenty-two, and the Hawks shot uh, seventy-five percent, fifteen out of twenty. They rebound. They were although being out rebound fifty to fifty-two, uh, and they were and the Knicks had more assists at twenty to eighteen. The Knicks uh, trailed in the block department six to three. The Hawks had eight steals to the Knicks four. Knicks had although all those numbers point in the paint. The Knicks had ten more points in the paint, forty-eight to thirty-eight. All in all, the Knicks come out with a nice. Um, real signature victory of the regular season, 99 and 90. Now the question is that I'm asking, and, and we brought the topic up, what's going on, Kelvin? Kelvin in the building, salute to you. Um, the question that me and Z were talking off air and we want to ask uh, there was, um, Z, go ahead. I'm going to leave this part to you here with the with the game and the questions we want to ask. Okay. You want me to ask the first question? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Chef Dan, what we kind of talked about was – in the question that we came to, is there a false narrative around Coach Tom Thibodeau? Um, it, you know, you, you, we all know the narrative by now. He's limited offensively, never plays young guys, and when he does play young guys, that they're not successful. So, Chef, I mean, whoever wants to take it first, I mean, you know, Kev, that, that was the questions that Kevin and I had, the topic that we had brought up for tonight. Right, that's the topic. And the reason why we brought that, because the Knicks went to Atlanta shorthanded no, no Derrick Rose, no Kemba Walker, no Todd Gibson, no Nolan's Noel, and you could say no problem. So, Chef Dan, that's the narrative. That's the question we had on tonight with that. And we want to see about when we see Coach Thibodeau play young guys when he's you know, not forced, when he's able to play the young guys, we saw a free-flowing offense, a free-flowing game, a quick pace um, in, in a very exciting game. We both did the watch-along. Play-by-play um, play here last night. I saw something different. I'm not saying that's going to work in 82 games of the season, but it was a refreshing um, change of pace. 
and it makes you think about Thibodeau's narrative. Um, I think everyone in the NBA has their, uh, you know, after you spent some time in the NBA and after certain moments have been made, uh, you know, where you're involved in the moment, certain narratives are uh, formed about um, certain people. But it, you know, uh, Tibbs has always had that narrative of not, you know, appreciate not playing the young guys unless he was absolutely forced to. Um, but he's also had another narrative of that he likes old school um, basketball. He he doesn't like running a modern offense and things of that nature. And we see that the Knicks currently like they're trying to run a modern offense. We know that the starting unit is kind of sputtering at times. Their uh, their chemistry is off and things of that nature. But you see it with the uh, with the bench unit. Tibbs has his imprint all over that bench unit in having a Derrick Rose and a Taj Gibson there. And he's trying to, you know, speed up the court, trying to take a lot more threes. So if that narrative right there about Tibbs is already wrong, I can already see that, you know, the, the narrative with him not wanting to play uh, younger kids is wrong. But um, it isn't more so him not wanting to play the younger kids. It You know, I, being a Knicks fan now and now having, uh, now having two consecutive years now of, like, above 500 play and having a system put in place, we can see that the way Thibodeau runs things is that, you know, people kind of have to earn their minutes. And one of the best ways guys have earned their minutes is also having a history in the league and knowing, you know, certain play calls being called out. Like you just being a professional in the league and lasting and having some time in the league, it means something. It means something not only to Tibbs, but also to everyone on that, you know, everyone in the NBA. And so that's how Tibbs approaches it. So it's not so much uh, for me personally, I don't think it's him not wanting to play the young kids. It's just that, you know, you have a whole bunch of guys right now that quote unquote, they're vets, but they've earned their playing time. Okay. Z, what's your, what's your point on this? I think there's a 110% false narrative around Tom Thibodeau, um, especially talking to not Chef Dan per se. Chef Dan laid it out nice, laid out his opinion really well. But a lot of Knicks fans saying he just refuses to play young guys, um, saying, and, and Bulls fans and Timberwolves fans alike, saying he's forced to just play young guys. I mean, I mean he's, if he's forced to, he does. But other than that, I mean, I'm here to tell you that's not true. And it's, it's the front office – that puts the pressure on him to play these vets in every spot he's been in. So let's take it back to his first coaching job in Chicago. Um, Derek Rose, second-year player, coming off rookie of the year, played him, MVP. Okay, that might be an outlier because Derek Rose is an all-time great when he was healthy. Okay, I get that. Joakim Noah was a project coming out of Florida, albeit he was a first-round draft pick. He was a young guy that he played. Jimmy Butler, after Jimmy Butler's rookie year, he got very impactful minutes in his second year in the playoffs, and he was a huge cog in that machine. Taj Gibson, ever since he was a rookie, played for Tibbs. Then they start at Luol Deng. When they had gotten a little bit older, and the, the, the narrative from that team switched from young contending team to, okay, we added Carlos Boozer, a veteran. All these guys that I mentioned are veterans now. We have to play these guys because we paid these guys. They gave Derrick Rose the huge contract, um, you know, the, all that stuff. So the pressure was now, 
how can even though Rose was injured, we got to tread water until Derrick Rose comes back. We got to play these veterans that come in, like Nate Robinson and Aaron Brooks. Um, Kirk Heinrich was another one he played from young, um, from the four-year vet when he when Tibbs got the job. Um, so a young vet. But regardless, then he goes to Timber the Timberwolves, and even though he hated Car- not hated, had a lot a lot of chemistry issues and didn't like Carl Anthony Towns, and Carl Anthony Towns did not like him. Played in big minutes. Andrew Wiggins, young guy, big minutes. Um, Zach Levine, before he traded him, young guy, big minutes. The front office wanted to make that trade for Jimmy Butler along with Tom Thibodeau because he had the um, he trusts Jimmy Butler. It's not like Jimmy Butler was a 30-year-old vet. He was still a young vet when he traded for Jimmy Butler. Um, And then still had young guys. But in that playoff run, they had a guy like Jamal Crawford, who Knicks fans might say was a perfect candidate for a veteran, rental-type guy, Alec Burks-type guy, come off the bench, score. And he rode the bench for Thibodeau because he played young guys. And then he comes to the Knicks. His first coaching job, his first season in New York. When healthy, half of his 10-man rotation, 50%, five players were young guys. Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, and Kevin Knotts was the 10th man. And then they went to a nine-man rotation. Regardless, this year, he now has to pay he, – he plays Julius, he, who's still young, but he's a vet, got the big contract. Nerlens Noel got a bigger contract, three years, $10 million a year. Derek Rose three years, $12 million a year, or two years with a third-year team option. And Alec Burks, same thing. They're all making double digits in the millions. And um, those guys, the front office pays those guys for a reason. They want them to play. They want them to make an impact. Tibbs doesn't have much of a choice. And what's the difference is when you see Tibbs with a younger team, like with those young Chicago team, that young Minnesota team, and last night this young Knicks team, they're not always the most talented right off the bat. But when they play, he didn't have Johnny Bryan on those other two teams, and he had the same free-flowing, fast-paced offense when he had a young team. So when you have him force this Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, these guys on him, and Julius Randle and all these guys, he has to play at a slower pace because it benefits them. And that's the way you can win with them. But as you saw, as soon as those young guys came in, and it's the bench mob normally, and last night it was just an undermanned team, the offense changes, the whole, the whole mindset changes, and, they, and they, he can win ball the same way. Just to, you know, the, He can still win. He likes to play young guys, as you see. He has more fun. You can hear it in his post-game, conference, or post-game press conference. He, you know, he, he didn't complain, but he, he had a good time coaching those young guys. He loves a Deuce McBride. Even though Deuce is young, that type of defensive-minded first guard, quick and shifty, um, he loves those type of guys. He loves the Quentin Grimes type. He loves all these guys, but they're not going to get minutes over the guys they just paid ten plus million a year to. And Rajay Barrett used the first round, high first round pick on him. Like that's that's not how it goes. To say to Leon Rose and said, "Hey, I'm gonna bench Kemba and Fournier and Burks and all these guys, and I'm gonna play these young, fast, exciting players that are winning games." they'll be very mad at him and it'll cause animosity in office. Chef Dan, what's your thoughts on that, on that point of view? Um, I don't know. Like, see, that's the thing. Uh, 
Zach brings uh, Zach brings up a uh, very good points, but see, the one thing I can't say, like I can't say that whether the front office would be mad as to whether he would play the uh, the young guys or not. I mean, it, in essence, they did pay Fournier and Kemba, you know, all that money to come in and play, and they are veterans. So those guys that you're giving a contract, you'd rather give those guys the uh, playing time. You'd rather have them. Uh, have the playing time as opposed to the rookies because if the rookies are out, uh, you know, beating the vets in practice, that it sends a, a, a bad message about where the uh, natural order of things is. But I can't say for sure as to whether the uh, front office would be upset or not. We That's, you know, that's just conjecture right now because we don't know yet. The front office hasn't made any uh, announcement that, uh, announcements as to what they would like to see and things of that nature. So um, it's, it you know, that's conjecture. But I, what I would like to, what I would say though is, I I wouldn't if I am the front office, I wouldn't be upset at the um at playing those young guys because realistically looking, it seems like the front office did a better job of drafting more so than uh, free agency because these young guys fit better together than uh, the the free agents do together, and it's not you know it's not poo pooing the fit that uh, Fournier and Kemba has had so far. We see that uh, Fournier has had a good uh, chemistry with uh, Julius Randle and things of that nature, but it, it seems like a Quentin Grimes and a Miles McBride fit more naturally with an IQ and RJ and that core along with a, a OB or a, a, a Mitchell Robinson. It seems like those guys just fit seamlessly better. And so if you can develop those guys and develop the skill sets that you'd want, that way you get a younger lineup and you can have something like uh, something like what essentially Phoenix is having right now. They're running a whole bunch of young guys. They have a vet or two and Chris Paul and a couple of other guys. We see that Devin Booker, he's had a couple of years in, in, in the league now, so he can qualify as, you know, a vet. But you just have, you know, a couple of uh, uh, a couple of vets here and there, but you let the young guys star and, do, you know, they just add the gravy on top. Okay. See, and Kev, before you chime in, if I want to just make a point of what Chef Jan said, it's 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 not conjecture at all. Although they haven't said anything, I give you that. But they did without saying anything. They paid all these guys these money, multi-year contracts, double digits and millions. That's who they want to play. And they don't have no front office comes out and says that they want this player to play over this one or this one to play over that one. Short of maybe Jerry Krause back in the day. Pay Michael jo- play Michael Jordan, but that's stupid. Everybody's going to play Michael Jordan or LeBron James or those guys, but no, they're not going to come out and speak against their head coach. Um, good front offices, at least. You know, you need to play this guy, you need to play that guy, because that's what, like, for example, my Cowboys do with Jerry Jones. I mean, that's not what every team does. So, But when you pay all these guys this money and you come in and you bring Kemba in, you make it this feel-good story, blah, 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 you pay Evan Fournier $80 million. You pay all you, you pay all these guys ten plus million a year. They're going to want them to play over the Jericho Sims of the world, the second year round draft pick, the Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride because they have their control for many years. So they're going to have them in the fold if they want them. So they're going to want Tom to showcase these guys to make them look smart. It's just how it goes. Just like back in the day when um, you can make the same argument that that's why, for example, in Minnesota, he didn't play Jamal Crawford much because they had all these young guys, high draft picks. They wanted them to play, if that makes sense. Um, but I see what Chef Dan's saying, and I totally agree that it's 
it's not a cause to pause just yet, you know, as far as the rotations and stuff, but there's, you know, th- there is a false narrative on Tibbs, 100%. And that, that was the debate for tonight where we were bringing, we want to continue that debate with that, with the false Thibodeau. My, my thing is, you got to play these bet, and I, and I see why he has to play them, because they, they have the most experience. Also, and we, we and thank God, we, it's going to be almost a year to two years we're really not talking about him, but he still sits there courtside, the Grinch on 34th Street, which is James Dolan, that sits there with the sourpuss face, you know, he, you know, that's a, that's a factor. Thank, thank God he's quiet. He's not, he's been a model citizen, model owner. Um, so far, but but don't be surprised if they if this you know they say the they start sputtering a little bit. Some you know I'm not saying Thibodeau's, Thibodeau's job is safe. I'm saying maybe he, there might be pressure for him to want to play guys. You know we, we want to see the youth movement, but but also the Knicks got to find out. If, if they're just saying if either you're going to do rollers or you're going to straighten your hair. You're going to either play you're going to go in a, in a youth movement or you're going to play veterans and try to win. So. Do you think the Knicks are in a crosshairs on that, or can we have our cake and eat it too? Um, you want to have Dan go, or uh, anyone that wants to chime in on this one? Yeah, I I think we're in a crosshair because, um, I mean, what are we doing as a front office? You you don't do anything before the draft, and we talked about all these trades, and I get it. But if you don't I get it because, you know, you want to draft first. But if you're going to draft first, you need to use your assets that you held on to, you know, that, that you drafted these guys. You need to use them because if you weren't going to use them, you're not going to play them. What's the point in using all those first round draft picks and second round draft picks when you could have traded, turned them into an established player, whether it be a star or not, you could have turned them into established players that we could play now. And they didn't do that. So then they go to free agency. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, free agent time. We're going to have to sign some big names. They didn't. They waited and signed Fournier, and then they signed Kemba Walker on a cheap deal, which I'm still not a fan of because Kemba's not the same Kemba. I'll say it. Everybody else, you know, everybody else might still want to wait and see what happens with him, but he's not the same Kemba, and he's not going to be an impact player for this team. Reason being, he signed. that's why Boston got rid of him. That's why OKC didn't want him. Got him out of that big contract. That's why no one else picked him up. And we picked him up on two years, what, eight or nine million dollars a year. You know, he's not the same Kemba. And it's trapped us. You know, we got two guys that are offensively okay, but inconsistent and don't play zero defense. That handicaps Tom Thibodeau into, especially since you paid them, you want them to play. He can't play his style of basketball. You know, he can't, he has to do a slower pace as well because. You want to limit the other team's offensive possessions because these guys can't defend. So the less they have to defend, the better you are off. And it shows that it's not working. So they need to make changes. But at the same time, you got these young guys on the bench that you drafted, invested in, and you won't give them any burn. And I guarantee you, James Dolan has something to do with that. And Leon Rose, we pay these guys these money, see what they got. And no, you I'm see gonna, the difference yeah, yeah. when yeah. you play them in a shorthanded team against a good team. The Hawks are a good team. We know this. And, we played them really tough. Right, right. Well, I was going to say real quick, remember, the free agent class that came out this summer wasn't nothing to write home about neither, you know. And if we would, we were kind of, are we kind of killing them for spending money because like drunken sailors? Because I, I kind of like the fact that we brought Derek Rose back. 
Um, so Noel, I'm I'm 60-40 with that. You know, good morning, Jerome from the Philippines. So good morning, good Monday morning to you there. I know you're getting back to work, back to school, and, and back to the normal Monday routine. Thank you for joining us there on your way to work and having your breakfast, Jerome. And salute to everyone in the Philippines joining us. We're doing a little return of the Knicks um, discussion on the narrative of Tom Thibodeau and a little bit of the after 20 games uh, uh, played in the uh, the regular season with the New York Knicks. We're just giving you our thoughts and our and our, um, a little bit of a temperature um, gauge of the New York Knicks uh, roster and what we see on the court and what don't we see on the court uh, as we um, just chopping it up on a Sunday night. Um, and we, we thank you for joining us here on the YouTube channel and podcast and all and all the all the platforms that receive the podcast as well. This will be on the podcast uh, tomorrow morning. So we appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, and I say, yeah, the, the free agent class wasn't nothing to write home about. Uh, you know, there was a lot of names there. The Knicks weren't going to overpay. I think they paid um, all right. We could debate about, uh, you know, the one is the longest Noel. Um, I know he's really good on the court, but the guy can't stay healthy. But I know but who, and then you say, Jedi, who are you going to bring in? Who are you supposed to bring in here um, to play um, your center? You know, you're right. You know, but it's so much back and forth. It's a lot of um, would have, could have, should have type of deal. Um, second guessing, armchair quarterbacking, and I just wish they would have just gotten a point guard. You know, right now, and and I and I'm still sitting on my soapbox with it. They should have signed Spencer Dinwiddie. I, I I still am sitting on it. But no matter how much I sit on the soapbox, hold my breath. I'm just gonna choke it. I guess because it's not gonna happen. It's not that ship sailed and it passed. You know. Um, they needed. They really. They, they really, really, really needed was a point guard, and and I and I and I said to myself, you know what? I should have speaking spoken up back in, the, in, in when I was in the other 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 platform because you know they wanted to they wanted to paint it in a positive narrative, and I should have been myself and and say, you know what? I wasn't happy with the with the uh, yeah. Campbell Walker signing, and I just went along because I just didn't want to be the ne a negative Nancy or be negative on a totally positive program and I get it because that's not my that was not, I'm, I'm a guest on someone else's platform and I should have been totally honest and not like the, the Kemba Walker signing yes guys my name says BX Force Jedi I am one of the most proudest Bronx Knight there is you know I could be anywhere and I, and I don't care if you, if you think the Bronx is trash you know from the pictures I'm still proud where I was born in the Bronx and I want Kemba Walker to do well trust me but I knew it wasn't going to fit and I'm still going to sit on it. And I know it's only 20 games. And but what um, he, he would have fit if they needed him coming off the bench. But what they need is the, a starting point guard to run the New York Knicks. And I don't think he's the guy for this team right now. Now could it change? I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And I and I'm just I'll sit here by myself on the stream and I'll and I and I'll like I said I'll eat the crow. I'll have a, a knife and fork and I and I'll chew it. So Chef Dan, what's your thoughts on that? Am I? I'm, Talk me off the ledge. Am I off the ledge here, or talk to me? You're always the voice of reason. Um, it 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 all starts off with the original question you asked, and that is, are we at a crosshairs between developing the young guys and playing the vets to try and win? I think that all depends on what picture you're looking at. If you're looking at just the end of this year and what do you want to see for us at the end of this year, then it could seem to be at a crosshairs. But if you're looking long picture and saying that, all right, these guys have built sort of a foundation here and you have a guy in Randall and RJ who, you know, they're just foundational pieces. It's not, 
we're not saying they're championship contenders yet, but we just have pieces that we can build the foundation upon guys that come in the right way, things of that nature. Um, then it's not, it's not really your crosshairs. It all depends on what you want out of this year specifically. And do you think that this year is the end all be all coming in? Or do you think that this year is more so a, a, a springboard into years to come? Mm. I'm watching this year right now. And I know uh, people say it feels like it's a crosshairs at times, but we're having a uh, manual quickly still playing with Derek Rose, who's a MVP caliber point guard who has grown better throughout his years, even though he's lost some athleticism, we see that the game has become easier and easier for Derrick Rose. And we have IQ who had a great game last night. He had seven assists, but that wasn't something that was foreign to IQ. We saw him having those same trends during summer league and even during the, um, during the preseason. We have Obi Toppin now. He's running in transition, things of that nature. Because the... Um, chemistry is getting better on who you know how to uh, how to work with him and things of that nature d rose remember last year it was d rose trying to find iq and trying to find obi now this year we have alec burks trying to find um obi we have iq trying to find obi then we have iq remember last year we couldn't trust as to whether iq could create for himself because it was either floater or just a out of range three now they're leaving the ball in IQ's hands, and IQ is calling out plays for um, plays for the bench unit to to go into actions and things of that nature. So for me, it it's not a crosshairs. We can do both. We can play to win while developing a system for these guys to get comfortable in. Last year we were at a last year I think we were at a crosshairs between trying to be a, a I don't know trying to trying to develop the new guys while trying to develop a system that works for winning. And we couldn't do that because we had offensively challenged players. But now to like, now looking at this roster, we have guys that regardless of whether, you know, regardless of what they can, what they can or can't do defensively, offensively, these guys can do just about anything. So now it's about building a system that way the offense negates whatever you're not getting on defense. Every team in the league is looking for that system, and that can be achieved here. But it, it, it can be happen. It can happen while having a symbiosis of us trying to win. Okay, yeah, I'm going to make a. I'm going to make a quick. I'm going to give you a floor to you, Z, real quick. I just wanted to make thing. Just wanted to bring up to light. Remember, Obi Toppin got injured start of the the last game of the preseason to start the beginning first five six games in the NBA regular season last season. So he was behind the eight ball a little bit. And you saw how Coach Thibodeau wrote him a lot. That he was Obi, Obi. I think he, I think that set Obi back a little bit. But you saw how he flourished later in the playoffs. Z, go ahead, Z. The floor is yours. Well, it's an old adage in sports. In every sport, it doesn't matter what it is. But you're always taught, and Kevin, Dan, you can agree with this. It's a fact. If the coach is not getting on you, then there's a reason. And and if the coach is getting on you, that means he believes in you. And that that's not. But but the, to answer Chef Dan, I mean, this offense is extremely limited. They got Kemba Walker in who's small, who is not what he once was, who is a jump shooter. He, he's, he's a career 42% when he goes to the rim, which is one of the lowest in his generation, um, especially as starting point guards. Evan Fournier is a jump shooter slash mid-range shooter. He doesn't have much ISO, um, and he's rarely inconsistent. 
and you you bring in a little bit better offense. I'll give you that as far as one on one for horrible defense. And at the same time, last year we were limited offensively, but we were way more efficient. And since we were more efficient, that made up for the lack of being able to score one on one until we got to the playoffs. That's why I say we're in a crosshairs. Yeah, we improved talent wise, but it's not the talent that you need for the system that Tom Thibodeau likes to run. And if you're going to do that to a coach, I don't care if it's Tibbs, I don't care if it's Pop, I don't care if it's Phil Jackson, whoever it is, whatever coach has a system, you got to bring in players. If he's your long haul coach, you got to bring in players that fit their system. And if you don't do that, then you are in a crosshairs because then you draft guys who I believe really fit Tom Thibodeau's system. Obi Toppin gets up and down the floor, and we showed he's more improved on defense. He's long and athletic. He can, he's only 220 pounds. He could honestly, once he develops more because he's so quick and fast, play a little bit of minutes at the three, small ball five. It opens up the thing. It opens up everything for him playing Obi Toppin. Deuce McBride, typical Tibbs point guard, short, I mean, quick, rangy, fast, athletic, defensive-minded. Quentin Grimes, Tibbs guy. He can score a little bit, but he's primarily a defensive guy, and we saw that. He's a good defender. I mean, rhythm's off a little bit because he doesn't play much. That's why we're at a crosshair. We drafted guys that fit his system and the way he wants to do things, and then we sign players to big money that don't. Two guys. Derek Rose, obviously, is always going to fit his system. Taj Gibson's always going to fit his system. Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel are Tibbs type of guys. But but the two guys that are getting the most minutes at, at the spot that we need the most improvement at the point guard and the shooting guard posi- or shooting guard slash small forward position aren't fitting his system. Those wing players and wing offensive players, they don't fit. So now we're stuck for two years with Kemba. We're stuck for four years with Fournier if it doesn't work out. Again, I'm the same as Kev. I hope it works out. I hope I can come on this channel with you and eat crow. You know, hopefully, but it's just not working out. Um, I don't, I wouldn't, I can't say that it's not working out yet. We're above 500. It's, it's currently working right now. It's just not as fluid as we would like it. It seems like right now the, the players aren't trusting to pass more. And that's the one thing we're killing the, of the, um, the starting unit for is that if they were trusted to pass more, then they would be able to get into their actions quicker. And trusting the pass, I believe, comes with, you know, time together and building a new chemistry. Um, I can't say that Evan Fournier doesn't fit with this team because the times that he's exploded, we've looked really, really good. And he's it's not like he's doing something that's out of realm that he can't do every night. He's kind of just playing a two-man game with Julius. The system right now that we, the system right now that everyone seems to love last year that was so efficient, it was essentially give the ball to Julius and let Julius dictate what's going to happen. Either he kicks it out after he gets a double team, or he's going to shoot a mid range or drive to the paint, something of that nature. Right now, the reason why the offense isn't working is because it's a lot more complicated. Reason why it's a lot more complicated is because you have a guy in Evan Fournier who can do more than Reggie Bullock, and so he it gives you a lot more opportunities. You have a guy in, Kev, in Kemba Walker who can do more than um, 
Alfred Payton. And so it gives you a lot more opportunities. Like sometimes a plethora of options, it can stagnate you because you're looking and it's like you have so much in front of you, you don't know what to do. But that's what having a full season for and having the practices that we you know, having the practices that we didn't have last year, we have them now. We can uh, solve these things and, you know, figure these things out. But right now, nothing is figured out. So I can't say that these guys don't work and that we're stuck with them. I, I think Evan Fournier is a perfect example for a guy like Quentin Grimes to learn off of. Quentin Grimes could have learned off of Reggie Bullock. Cool, but Reggie Bullock was traveling in transition last year. Like, that's the limitation of his skill set. And so, like, not for, like, it, I don't know how else to say it. Like, Evan Fournier, we, we've all mentioned it after seeing him in action for the first couple of preseason games and even in the uh, after the first couple of games we've seen in the season. He's a high IQ player. He's very smart. He's just struggling with certain shots right now. Shots fall, and sometimes shots fall, sometimes shots don't. But that comes with the territory. I, I feel like this offense has the opportunity to bloom and blossom to be a lot more than what it is right now. And if those young guys see that, they can take their own twist on it and take it to an even further level. But the guys are right there. Like All the skill sets and everything we need are right there. I don't think there's a trade that we can make right now other than looking for a superstar where um, it, it'll just, you know, everything will just open up a lot more because at the end of the day, it still has to flow through Julius. Right, but the only, the only thing that, and we know all that is all said well and, and you make great points, um, not, not, to, not to take away from it, but the only thing that frustrates is why does the second unit, even when you bring in the, the, summer, the summer league rack pack, look so quick, so exciting, so fleet flowing, and so, um, you know, natural, while you got a bunch of guys who you, you see the back of their baseball cards, literally, and you see their numbers, and it's just like, it's slow. I can tell you that right now, I can close my eyes because I've done so many, I've done already 20 plus watch alongs here. Julius brings the ball up. He's going to pass it to either RJ, RJ passes it back to Julius. He gives it to Fournier in, in the right corner in the right, or the right left corner, double team. Shot clock at twelve, passes to Julius back to back to back to Fournier, Fournier to Julius. Julius is going to take a long range jumper. He misses. Here comes transition. Uh, here's here down the lane and a foul. Count it three point play. That eat, drink and repeat. Uh, I've, I've done this call. I, I actually close my eyes for those that are, who are watching us uh, are hearing us on the audio platform. This is almost every game. Yeah, and. To think about it too, yeah, Reggie and all those guys were limited offensively, but it was more efficient because they played they played better. They played both sides of the of the floor, and at the same time, there's no this at this point. This offense is so inefficient because it's your my turn, your turn. That like you just said with that watch along, you know, keep passing it back and forth to the guys, and eventually one of them isos. No, you, one of them was isoing. It's more efficient in a basketball game with an offense. When there's just one guy that's ISOing, and the rest is catch and shoot, backdoor cut, um, alley oop, whatever the case, it's more free flowing. And this team, they're trying to force the my turn, your turn, because Kemba's got to get his, Fournier's got to get his, Julius has still got to get his, RJ's got to get his, and then you know if Derrick Rose is playing with the starters, well he's got to get his, and it's just it's it's not an effective offense, and that's why 
We're, and then you notice, because we're, we're even limited now, we're a bunch of jump shooters. We're now leading the league in three-point attempts, and we're down on efficiency from last season. Because most of the time, Evan Fournier's shooting a three. Most of the time, R.J. Barrett's shooting a three. I mean, not RJ, uh, Kevin Walker shooting a three. It's just, there's, we're limited, but in different ways. I can, and one thing is when, remember, and Clyde says it on the broadcast and every time, then back in last year's Knicks team, their defense was their best offense. And since the starting unit is not providing that shutdown defense and is not providing that offense, could it be why we're getting frustrated and we're not seeing? I'm yep. thinking, you know, each year's a different year. Last year was last year. This year is this year. You know, I guarantee you see other, you ask anybody um, in, 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 in all, in all luck of white, love walk of life. Last year was different from this year. You know, you're yeah. not going to you're not going to make the same money. You're not going to you know you're not going you either make more or you make less. And and we weren't and for us to expect them to be like the top defensive again, you know, or expected what we saw last year, expected this year, you know, we you know full on us because you know we we're, we're maybe it's us Knicks fans thinking that we're expecting the same team just because they wear they put on the orange and blue, they're going to come out there and be top ten you know top five defensive team. I'm doing what they did last year. It's just a different mindset. It's, you can see. it's different philosophy, Kev, and that's the problem. It, it, I'm not saying it's the same team. I'm not saying any of that, but it's different philosophy. When you have – how many times this year – I know it's early, but have you seen Julius Randle get a free transition dunk? Not much. And you saw it a lot last year because we were playing good defense. Even though we were low in the pack, very low, I think that last in the league, if not 29th in the league, in for, at fast break points, but – it happened a lot more to get our guys easy buckets to get guys, you know, because we played better defense. Like you said, our defense was our best offense and our best thing. So now you you paint this narrative as an organization and a fan base that we added Fournier and Kemba and took away Alfred Payton, who everybody hated, and Reggie Bullock, who a lot of people hated. We're going to win 60 games. We're going to win 50 games. Oh, we're going to be so good. Well, guess what? We're about the same. We were 9-11 and 11 at this point last year, and we're 11-9 and nine at this point this year. Is all that extra money, all that money that went around, all these new guys that came in, was it worth two wins to me? No. So that's why I say we're at a crosshairs. Because, yeah, we're a little bit more improved but in one area, but vastly worse in a lot of other areas. Well, the body of work. We still got to give it a body of work. We still got to give it time um, for, for that two wins. But what we see right now in the first 20 games, and this is why I'm a little bit, a little bit frustrated, is, we're starting to see the same mistakes over and over, and I don't see a correction in in, in those same mistakes again. And if I see just a slight bit of a different of a correction, then I say, okay, give it time. Let's give it time. And I'm still and and there's plenty of time still to, for those corrections to be made. But as you know, I want to see I want to see some type of correction when it comes to the starting unit, the starting play. You know, um, move move the ball around um, no, um from north to south, not east to west. It looks beautiful, the Harlem Globetrotter from behind the three-point line. You know, all that pass. All I got is the next one. One of my watch alongs, I'm going to put the, the Globetrotter's theme music on so, so you can see it. It's going to – and just to dub it. And you're going to you're gonna say, man, Jedi, you, you, you got a point here. You know, I love my New York Knicks. I just want – I want to see them win. You know, I want – you know, I, I, and I'm glad that they're catching up to the, to the new NBA um, uh, style of basketball, shooting the threes. But I want to see my – I want to see my starters, you know – Go north to south, if, you know, and not east to west. My opinion. Salute to Alton Lee. Salute Alton Lee, man. I'm glad you're here, my friend. I'm doing. Hope you're doing well in Chicago. We play your bull. We play your hometown Bulls 
coming up the middle of the week, but salute to you here uh, joining us. Um, Dan, I haven't heard from you in a while. Chime in here, my friend. Um, man, I I just think I just think right now uh, we are shooting a lot more threes, but how we're getting them is also important. We are doing a lot of isolation, but last year we didn't, and I know last year was a different year, and we're really hyping up last year's offense, but last year it wasn't a lot of cutting off the ball. No. This is what I'm saying. The the potential for us to cut off the ball, and if one play fall, uh, breaks apart for us to get another play, the skill set is there because if you leave Kemba to, you know, kind of, if you leave Kemba running off the ball, diving into the rim to try and make something out of nothing while he's, you know, doing while he's, you know, uh, laying it up, he can do that. He's smart enough. He's, uh, you know, he's smart enough and he's agile enough because it's like the steps are still there at times. He just can't get the burst, you know, whenever he wants to. But it's there at times enough for him to affect the game some. He just has to choose, you know, when and where he wants to do it. And I think that, you know, was important for him and why he wanted to go on a team with Derrick Rose. He's seeing Derrick Rose have the ability to do that. But we also seeing Derrick Rose also, he works well off the ball too. Derrick Rose can do some things off the ball. It's a new skill set that uh, Kimball Walker has to learn because he's never truly been off the ball like that. So now that's something he's learning. He learned a little bit while in uh, the Celtics, but the lesson was rough, and now he has to continue learning the lesson over on the Knicks. Same thing with Evan Fournier. But right now, the offense, the reason why I think it's not working is not because our defense is lacking. We're still having some great defensive nights here and there. I think really right now what what's stopping our offense is not doing continuous cutting, not, you know, not having a whole lot of off-the-ball movement that we can have. I've seen RJ cut off the ball, and once he notices that no one else is cutting, it's just him, he'll kind of, you know, move to a corner, stop right there, and settle for a three. It has to be everyone, every player on the uh, on the court help, help hold themselves accountable for having continuous movement. It's tiring, but you have to do it in order to get yourself the best look. But we're not seeing a lot of guys, you know, try and help themselves get the best look off the ball while, you know, while Julius is, you know, maneuvering and he has a double team, things of that nature. So it, it, it's 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 up in the air for me right now. I think that's something Tibbs has to, has to address, but also the players themselves have to hold themselves accountable to going, okay, I have to move more. But that like that same offense with like this type of offense and this type of freeness, like the reason why we're upset at them is because we know they can be a lot more free than last year. It's just that they're not doing the little things that it that amounts to uh, them gaining their own freedom. But at the same time, like, yeah, last year's offense was bad. I would change so many things about last year's offense, but like you just said, they, they have the potential, but they don't. And appreciate that, Kev. Appreciate the plug. Um, but um, it's just it, – it's not happening. And no one can blame Tibbs. And that was the topic of the video was the false narrative because it is on the players. They are not working together. They're not playing together because, look, as soon as that Rat Pack or the young kids come in, it's – I mean, is it Tibbs not coaching the team still, Kev? Is Kibbs, Tibbs still coaching that team when, when the young guys come in? And the offense looks completely different. The defense looks completely different. They actually play with a free-flowing mind and a free-flowing motion offense, and they're successful. You saw it against the Hawks. 
Yeah, and, and and if it happens again, you'll see it again. They might not win every game. It's an 82-game season. They're not going to win every game. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is they play better basketball. When when there's no egos, when there's no, you know, certain requirements of getting certain guys the ball, it, they play freely. Let me let me ask this. I wanted to ask this question um, um to to Dan with with Kemba Walker. Do you think he's he's able to make that adjustment like Derrick Rose, or uh, or or better than that, better yet? How much more games will the Knicks organization or Thibodeau give Kemba Walker to try to figure out if he could change his style of play? See, I, I, I and I'm going to do a little bit of a cross-reference. You know, Derrick Rose changing his way of basketball to play off the ball. Kemba Walker needs to know how to play that. It's similar to when, and for those who, who are listening about baseball, Cece Sebastian was a, a hell of a pitcher who threw a 99, 98 miles per hour fastball. He had to reinvent himself, learn how to throw all speed, nibbling corners, you know, pitching up and down in the side zone. And he and he readjusted and he had a, a long career. He wasn't the ace though, but he was very effective. Does Kemba Walker has that? Or um, I think it's still a little bit too uh, We still got more time to we need more time to find out if he's able to do that adjustment. In my opinion, like I said, my name is BX Sports Jedi. I love the Bronx. I'm rooting hard for Kemba Walker, but how many more games can we give him to try to figure it out, Chef Dan? Um it, it it can be a number of games where it's damaging, but at the same time, we do have to, w what it is for me is first we have to see that the agenda is being put in place. And that means that we're already seeing it. Uh, when the uh, first unit comes out in the first quarter as of late, when that first unit is together, they're trying to push the pace a lot more. We're seeing them do that. But now uh, some people are starting to, some people are starting to get lazy and it doesn't like the thing is it doesn't happen right there in the first quarter. It no. usually tends to happen it, near the end of the, uh, near the end of the second quarter in the start of the third quarter. That's when this laziness tends to happen. Now I got to pinpoint like as much as we would want Kemba to be the guy that, you know, as much as we would want Kemba to uh, Kemba to be the guy to, uh, to, to, you know, uh, be cutting off the ball, things of that nature. Sometimes, like, this is the thing. This is why I, I can't, like, I can't just put it all on Kemba Walker. Sometimes it's Kemba Walker not cutting off the ball, right, when he's not doing what he's supposed to do. The other times, and we, you know, we've been beating around the bush now, so let's get to it. The other times, and it's more important that this guy is supposed to be cutting off the ball and really doing it a lot more, is, is Randall. If Randall cuts along, cuts a lot more, if Randall holds himself accountable to have a lot more off-the-ball movement, the same off-the-ball movement we were seeing when um, Mike Miller was the coach after uh, Fisdale got fired, when he was running a lot of pistol action, the same off-ball movement that Randall was having, you know, when he was coming off the bench during... Um, during the uh, when he was with the uh, Pelicans. And the same off-ball movement that we were seeing during this Hawks game. He had the same off-ball move. If he dedicates himself to just doing a little bit of that sometimes and helping himself get free, then maybe the offense opens up and he can hold the ball a lot more because he's had a couple of touches and the ball has gone in the hoop a couple of times. But I can't blame this all on just, you know, Kemba and Fournier being stagnant. Like, it, to be honest, right, 
to be honest, right now, the three the three headed monster that's kind of giving us issues because it's 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 some one of at one at some point during the night, it's gonna be one of these three. It's Kemba, Fournier, and Julius. But it's not something that is it, Thibodeau's fault. I think they have to hold themselves accountable. I know Tibbs is clearly telling them that they have to move around a lot more. But if if Randall is the captain, he's got to hold guys account, uh, accountable, and that means himself. And you said it's not just one guy or two guys; it's all five in the starting unit. Randall's actually gotten in more dribble handoff, pick and roll scenarios where he's, he doesn't need to be cutting just necessarily. He needs to be also screening and rolling more, which he has done a little bit more than last year. But but he needs to be do more screen and roll action. RJ's so stagnant; it's not even funny. He just kind of stands in the corner half the time and waits to get a touch. I mean, the, the whole team, and that's where the topic was about. Nice, nice, great job tying it up, Chef Dan. It's not Tibbs' fault. We see him screaming at the starters, too. We see him saying, you got to move the ball more, move yourselves more. When it's a primetime game and they have those little timeout huddles where they listen to the timeout, you hear him. Share the ball. Play for each other. I mean, it's not – then that's why everybody wants to blame Tibbs. It drives me insane. It's 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 a player thing, too. you got to hold your key teammates accountable if you're Julius. If you're Kemba and Derek Rose, you guys want to get in here. And you know, Kemba wants to be one of the leaders on this team. You, it doesn't matter if you've been here ten minutes. You got to come in and hold your players accountable on the court. Julius Randle, same thing. So that was a good point. Yeah, excellent. You broke that down well. The way you said that he should move, play off the ball. Not for nothing, Julius Randle had a really good game last night. I, I you know, we got to give credit what credit is due. He wasn't effective, but Randle played really well. Randle played well yesterday. Not not scoring wise, but on the defensive end. Uh, got a lot of offensive rebounds. He got in there, um, and, and he really, really, really played a really good game last night. And you know, very impactful. Now, let me ask a question: With this, could it be since Pointy and, and Kemba Walker new to the team? They're veterans. They know how the NBA works. They know how everything is. You don't go in there. You don't. You know, one thing is you don't go step in on Superman's cape. You don't go into someone's refrigerator and start opening the refrigerator and taking out your groceries. Um, when when is these guys gonna feel comfortable to say, you know what, this is I'm part of this home. I could open the refrigerator and I could grab, you know, something out of the refrigerator because I live here. You know, and I'm trying to bring that as a as a metaphor. Um, with what comes, um, could it be that they just don't want to upset the apple cart with Julius Randle? They saw that he was a borderline all star, and, and, and you know, I mean, that's not a borderline borderline MVP. Excuse me. Let me let me correct myself. Top top seven in MVP voting. And they don't want to step on his toes, maybe. Could it be that what it is? And they're trying to trend, um, you know, lightly, with, and, you know. But when is the time, you know, Julius Randle, you know, is it going to be like, okay, Julius, uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to make your role step diminish just a slight bit, play off here. Let us do this here. We're going to incorporate you to fit on us. Trust us because we've been around this league for a while. Or maybe, you know, just as long as you, in Canvas case, maybe longer. And I think this is going to work. And it is, and it's Julius. Randall um, accepted to get in there. And I also want to make a point before I throw that around. Do you think this stagnant between both three, you know, this this um, don't want to step each other's toes has gotten Andre Barry to regress a little? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, who, who wants to go first? Yeah, it, it, I'll take that. It has to be. Um, and, and if you pay these guys money and you bring them in, Tibbs' culture that he puts in place, that, I mean, even Derek, the way he treats every player, he gets on them. I mean, he expects he expects excellence out of all of his players, whether they're new or old, whether they're you know on the team or just now. It it shouldn't be 
an amount of games, it should be right away, you know, talk, talking, being a leader. You don't have to be the top dog or the alpha, but you can be a leader and voice your voice yourself. And Julius needs to let that happen. Julius needs to trust his teammates. But, I mean, if it hasn't happened now, it didn't happen last year. He didn't trust his teammates. Um, he just – he it, I hope it happens before Christmas. If it doesn't, then we have a real problem. Um, normally, they always say you wait until – Christmas time to really evaluate your season in the NBA to what, what you're going to do if you're a contender, if you're a pretender, whatever the case. But with RJ, he, yeah, he's regressed. He, he doesn't assert himself. He needs to assert himself more, demit, call for the ball, demand the basketball. And whether it's because it, RJ, when he has a ball in his hands, he creates for himself and others. So, but if, what a good are you if you're just going to sit in the corner and wait for Julius to hand you the basketball? And, and that's definitely going to affect his growth. I want to salute uh, White uh, White Falcon forty four. Uh, you know, um, salute to you there. I, I know you you got some points there. RJ is his brother. You know, he wants a small forward. Um, he's not agreeing with the chat members, but hey, um, you know, it's 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 everyone's opinion. Um, just let's get with it. Let's you know, we you know we we respect each other's opinion here. Um, we don't want to get into the the negative part of cursing, but we you know we you know we we are, we have, we agree with your with your chat with your thoughts. Your opinion is read here and. You know, as long you know, just as long as we keep respectful. But I appreciate you here, White Falcon forty four. Um, everyone in the chat as well. So go ahead, uh, Z, uh, Chef Dan, or you you don't want to pass it over to Chef Dan or? No, go and then go ahead. I'll, I'll Chef Dan, and then you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to be on for a few more minutes. Um, I don't think RJ's regressed. We just like cause yo like really the man like we, we we're forgetting something like. He's having a slump. Prior to this slump, RJ carried us for like four or five games. I don't think he's regressed. If anything, I think they're all still trying to find their footing. But I think the best footing these guys need to have, not for nothing, man. Like, I know because right now what Julius is trying to do, he's trying to – I see it sometimes. He's trying to balance out the touches. He's trying to balance out the importance. He's trying to balance out – you know, who gets what, and they're all trying to get their run. But at the end of the day, man, I think this has, like, the the the, the statement has to be set that this is Julius and RJ's team. Kemba and Fournier are coming in to help, but that's it. This is still Julius and RJ's team. And what that means is sometimes when Julius is, you know, it, he, he, he ain't got it that night, Give it to RJ to dictate sometimes because RJ, he's just as good a passer. If not, sometimes he shows a better passing chops than Julius. Not only that, but um, not, o- not only that, but uh, like it just seems like, man, how do I say this? The, the, the only time that RJ felt comfortable and we saw this last night was when the pace was 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 quicker and so now there has to be a lot more accommodations for each and every player if by if by um christmas time i have to say this and i know i'm making a whole lot of concessions but if by christmas time we're still trying to figure out who we're conceding for between uh kemba and this kemba and and you know julius and things of that nature then i i I have to agree with you guys there. Kemba has to, we have to find a different role for Kemba because like it was enticing watching IQ on the court. It's enticing watching IQ with uh, Julius. The times that they've played together last year, the, the court looks open and 
IQ know? pushes the pace way more. IQ pushes the pace just as much as Derrick Rose does, if not sometimes even more. And you know what's also effective with that, Chef Dan, to, to, just to piggyback on what you said? IQ is a young guy in his second year that is not waiting for Julius Randle to trust him or deferring to anybody. He's coming in and he's being a leader of his own. He's not like he's talking on the floor. He's leading by example. He's fearless. I'm just saying, like, we need the, everybody needs to have that attitude, whether it's Julius Randle or Wayne Selden. It doesn't matter. Everyone on that team has to have it, have that mindset in order for this team built this way to be successful. But in also, and, and just to talk about the Tibbs thing too, it's not Tibbs's fault for the chat that's listening. It's not the offense because Tibbs in ball, you can ask Doc Rivers and Jeff Van, or, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy. They give him credit for building those offenses, changing those players' roles, getting them to buy in. So it's, it's Tibbs that does, has done it before with higher names than Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. So, it has to be some pushbacks on the players. Um, before before I, I just want to say something right now because it seems like um, White Falcon he's got he's got a lot to say right now about how Jul- it's not Julius's team. White Falcon, I know you, you. That's a good question right there. When Shaq went to the Lakers, whose team was it? It was Shaq's team when he got there, and the reason being is because he can command a double team. No one on this team can command a double team like Julius Randle right now. No one gets a double team like Julius Randle right now. So, White Falcon, I know you want to trade him, but it's Julius Randle's team right now. You got to respect the work he put in last year, getting the all-star nod, almost MVP, all-team NBA second team. That, that's a real, that was a real achievement. And at the same time, Chef Dan, what made that Lakers team a championship contender? Kobe eventually stood up to Shaq. They stood up to each other. They were toxic off the court. But on the court, they weren't backing down from each other, and they played basketball together. They understood that they were both valuable to the team. It wasn't about Shaq trusting him or him trusting Shaq. It was about them trying to get the best out of each other and having both two alphas arguing and, and talking about that. It, it helps when you have a guy that's sitting there, Shaq, get your butt down the court faster. Or Kobe, pass the ball more. You can't question those two. They're dogs. The two are the greatest ever to do it but they question each other because, and Derek Fisher was a leader. All these guys were leaders, even though they weren't at the caliber of those two players. Everybody bought into that system. And that's what needs to happen here. I'm not saying we're going to win a championship. We're not those Lakers, but they need to buy in more and they need to be more coachable with themselves and listen to Tibbs more and the coaching staff. Yeah, I agree with that. But what I wanted to mention was with, well, you could see that, Greg. You mentioned Kobe would tell Shaq to get down the floor and be vocal. And I, I've been mentioning it. I mentioned on my last podcast um, before, and I've been mentioning it now for a few, for a couple podcasts and a couple watch along. Uh, Quickly's um, body language um, and reading his lips on the court. He he's starting to hold teammates accountable. You know, when they don't rotate on, on certain rotations on defensive end, you know, and he tells he 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 told Randall several times. I remember I mentioned it last time. There was a look that quickly gave Randall um, uh, that he looked at him like like he really looked at him like he was disgusted, you know, with he didn't rotate. He had told Emmanuel, Emmanuel quickly has even told Obi Toppin, you didn't rotate, man. You know, we gave up that layup because you didn't rotate. You know, I, I get the all 22 that I don't go in commercials. I stay with the, you know, with the feed from the, from the arenas and so forth. And you see the body language. Also, yes, they had a little bit of a concern um, with Randall set on. He soaked at the end of the bench on one of the timeouts. Um, just keep an eye on that. Um, maybe he just, you know, 
wasn't wasn't that play of the moment of the game wasn't into it you know hey we're humans we're not going to be always invested we're always not going to be um you know rainbows and unicorns and happy all the time you know we're going to have our moments and maybe that was a, a rough moment maybe this year you know not getting the, the lack of sleep at home you know he has a newborn at home you don't get the proper sleep the proper adjustment you know he wants to be involved in in feeding and, and being part of his, his young child not getting the proper sleep and, and rest that he got last year you know you never know um what's going on with you know we're all humans um certain things you know positioning on the bed maybe they you know they, they he has to sleep under a certain way that's not getting his full rest i don't know i'm just it's not an excuses you're a professional you get paid millions of dollars you should come out and work but maybe those little things minor things is what um had Judas Randall off by 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 just uh, uh, not the same stats. You know, I know you said if Judas Randall is a superstar, well, he was voted last year for a superstar. He had a, he was you know one of the top in MVP voting, and and where the Knicks would not be where they were without him. You know, they would not be where they were without him. Um, you know, we appreciate that he was the our main player, but you know, you know, we should see. Go ahead, Chef Dan. Oh. So <laughs> you forgot to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm talking to my girl right now. <laughs> Chef Dan got slipped one past the goalie there, so that's live and in color. Um, with that, um, so we 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 shall see what the, this Knicks team should do there. What do we do with Obi Toppin? Obi Toppin. What shall we do with Obi Toppin? Obi Toppin is going to continue to play his game. You know, right now off the bench, high energy player. You know, and going in there and make, and he's going to have to continue making the best out of him. But if this continues by this time next year, you can see that kid is going to be unhappy being in New York. If he's still, you know, being treated like that, you know, um, and guaranteed there's going to be some grumbling, you know, he's a humble kid, a really good kid right now, but you know, you can only bend someone to so long, you know, maybe, maybe this is something, maybe he needs to be a little vocal. Maybe, you know, he's maybe that's what happened last year. He was a little too nice. And, you know, maybe something like this, things happen for a good reason guys no matter what happens in life no matter what things happen for a reason always the positive comes out later on obi is is obi is a starter obi could be a starter yes but but here's the thing with obi Toppin. if he's a starter you can't he's not the main feature star he couldn't can he couldn't obi Toppin couldn't handle randall's load as a, as he did last year first because right now guarantee will be right now probably in the orlando magic type area or number 12 in the league what's your guys thought yeah obi obi is not the type of guy that can get his own shot like at will like julius randall can even though it doesn't look pretty julius randall can i sell on anyone and get a shot off whether it goes in or not is a different story but he can get his own shot off and obi Toppin has proven that he can't just yet he needs a good point guard to get him involved early and often what do we not have a good point guard Ken Walker's not a good floor general. Derrick Rose, not a good floor general. Emmanuel Quickly's getting there someday, but it's we're not going to be the same caliber of team, like you said, if Obi Toppin was the starter. I agree. Did you freeze, Chuck? Did you freeze? Nah, I'm here. I'm here. Um, You're Zach, a, you I agree a, with you, yeah. but to a certain extent, because at the same time, we don't we don't have the floor general yet. He's being groomed right saying, now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not yet. Yeah, he's he's being groomed right now. Uh, but um, Obi Toppin is he a starter? No, he's not a starter yet. But he's showing a lot of nice things. And if anything, the reason why I feel like we're we're all excited about uh, Obi Toppin is because we're now seeing that 
essentially five people on the bench. Yeah. I don't know, because Noel's challenged offensively. All right, with the addition of Taj Gibson, five people on the bench. Essentially, you can have a lineup of five people contributing offense and defense at a, at a level that would be higher compared to most of their contemporaries. So we have the highest scoring bench right now. And, like, it should just be left as is. OB's doing great things right now that if we were to enter a, um, if we were to enter a, playoff, a, a playoff series right now, oh, everything OB's giving us, it would be high energy. It would be gravy right on top of chicken. If the chicken's fried and, you know, it's salted and you got the rice right there, OB's points is the gravy right on top. And then we're moving on up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, White Falcon just asked the question in the chat. He said, we have eight kids. Are we going to win a ring with Randall, Fournier, and Kemba? Well, they're, they're the placeholders. My opinion on um, Falcon is they're the placeholders. Uh, like Alton Lee says, the Knicks window is 2023. He always said that. He's been saying that for a while now. Um, he's always been saying that. Knicks window for the championship starts at 2023. And and you know what? Um, Alton Lee, you, you, your statement for the, since last March has been right on point you know your timeline is right on point you know and of course we need to relax and we need to enjoy the growth and and the growth of our uh, and of course it's going to be growing pains but it looks good it looks better we're not the bottom feeders of the team you know but you know but we're you know we're a little bit worried because we see the we see the bottom of the league right behind our tail and that's just you know it's okay to be a little bit of concern because when you see the the number 12 11 seed um, right behind us near us a couple of losses you know we could have a bad week and we're right there with them you know and the way the east is so strong you're you get a little bit worried about can we have an uphill climb do we see this year the way that the the, the, the league looks could you think the knicks will go on a, a, a nine out of ten um winning streak like they did last year i don't see it this year actually i i, I kind of i can see that happening this year we have the offensive pieces, and I think, um, man, if anything, watching that Suns game, I know it was a blowout. We got we got beat really bad, but watching the way IQ decided to take it to uh, Chris Paul whenever he had the chance, and then you go over into the Hawks game last night. Trey Young essentially, I know he scored two points off of a layup, but if it wasn't for that layup, he would have gone scoreless throughout the whole fourth quarter, and that's money time. But that's because, you you know, Burks is guarding him, yeah, but then primarily the top defender on Trey Young is an Emmanuel quickly. When you have a guy like him who's, you know, he feels like it seems like he's bred to just never say die. I think the team, he, he's going to at some point, because we're already seeing it right now, he's leaving his imprint all in the fourth quarter and in those clutch moments. He's going to soon, I think he's going to soon, his attitude and the way he goes about it, he's going to take over and influence the team to a point where we're going to, you know, have that energy and everyone, it's going to become contagious. Kemba is a guy who, who, you know, when there's good energy, he gives it off as well. I think all that energy is going to become contagious. I think the offense is going to find its flow at some point. Guys are going to want to cut more. They're going to want to play unselfish more. And then we're going to hit that winning streak. It's possible. Okay. Okay. So let me ask that. So what do you think is their season high winning streak for the, for, I mean, it's too early to tell. Um, 
you know that uh, I, I don't know I, I hope so I hope I hope I hope I would for, for the channel's sake I would love to go on a nine game ten game winning streak. you know how fun it will be up and down calling these games and, and all that all the excitement that it gives us uh, who, who, who doesn't nobody wants to nobody wants to um sit here on a watch along and for two and a half hours of everyone's time they're gonna lose you know you know seven out of eight you know we want to see them win nine on a row ten in a row you know so yeah that, I, I hope so because ultimately this year this year's to grow i agree we need to groom a point guard but we need to find out mitch is mitch i'm seeing rj progression and Fournier will be a successor to rose hmm, that, okay that's a good point there that you is know, I got, that's a really good point that is definitely a good point but also um i just want to say if 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 you saying that about the watch along right now the G Money watch along must be rolling right now. 16 wins straight with his sons. The G Money watch along is is eating right now. <laughs> and, and of course, um, um, White Falcon says we have the future point guard in IQ. Derrick Rose is here too. McBride too. Trey Kemba. Uh, Kemba, I think Kemba will be. I think don't be surprised. Um, wouldn't surprise me if the struggles continue around late January. They'll just you know buy him out. You know, and it is what it is. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Hopefully not. Like I said, I, you know, I am a Bronx native. I am a proud Bronx native. I want Kemba Walker to do very well, um, extremely well. But, it, you know, we got to, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. But we shall see. We shall see. You know, this is the fun part. You know, we're not no longer, um, at this point, many years ago, we we're, were talking about, man, who's the Knicks going to draft in the draft, number one? Let's go look. I wonder how um, Kentucky's doing or, or Duke. You know, I wonder how um, player X is doing or player Y. Um, do you think we, you know, where are we going to draft them? You know, it's good to see that we don't have to worry about those those type of narratives. Most definitely, but also um, we can we can finally get this out the way. Kemba Walker is officially the first signing that Leon Rose has had that everyone universally, every Knicks fan universally is questioning. So we can get that out the way. Leon Rose isn't the golden boy that everyone thinks he is. You know, everyone can make mistakes, but that doesn't mean you hang him with things of that nature. You don't you don't give up on Leon Rose for everything he's given us so far. Everyone may even think, you know, to even to a certain extent with the uh, with the Noel contract, you mentioned it earlier that that felt like maybe it, you know, it didn't warrant the number that he got. But for all that he gave us last year and also the ability of of what he gives on the defensive end. Even while him being hurt, when he comes in, he still uh, he still makes a difference, and the number isn't really what it was reported to be. It's all okay, right there. Right, I agree with you there. Um, Z, you want to give you a last party shot? I know you have to get going. Um, in the no, just I appreciate you guys for having me, and I'll see you guys next stream. All right, Z, you know where to find Z to A to Z Media. Uh, he, he'll he'll got to go right now. Take care of some business there. So thank you, Z, for coming on with me and giving me a few, uh, time at the podcast. We're going to end this in a few minutes as well. We're done drafting. We need to trade. Uh, how do you feel about Clippers one, Kemba for Forney, Randall, Noel? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't heard a trade that way, but we shall see what trades there. The only one trade I heard, and I saw that um, it's getting a little bit of traction, and I don't want to even talk about it, but it, it's getting traction. It's getting, you know, talks about. It's um, New York and Philadelphia. Yes, yes, him, him. You know, uh, Ben Simmons. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, it's a lot um, to digest. It's all hoopla, in my opinion. You know, trading uh, Julius Randle, uh, Mitchell Robinson, and maybe Kemba Walker for, for, for him. It makes no sense. 
Chef Dan, it makes no sense. Nah, it makes no sense, especially because uh, really realistically looking at it, the Knicks, the problem we had last year and that we tried to address this year, yeah. essentially we did, was shooting. Yeah. And <laughs> if there's one problem I know Ben Simmons doesn't fix on any NBA team, it is shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it don't make it doesn't make sense, Chef Dan. I don't even know why. It's it's getting traction. I seen it. You know, I saw it in two in three different publications. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> now, but I haven't heard it from any of the NBA insiders. And another another one that does that is getting a lot of inside, a lot of traction, and it's getting really um hot and heavy is the the possibility of a return to the Rockets lineup of John Wall. He wants to play basketball now. He wants to, you know. He's telling the front office, you're paying me anyway. You're telling me to sit, but I, I want to play. I got a lot left. I feel the healthiest I've felt in many years. Um, I want to play, but John Wall doesn't fit the Houston Rockets. He don't fit there. They, what, they're, what they're bringing up, what they have to, to provide, um, have on the court, he's going to, you know, he could be a mentor, but I don't think the Rockets see him that way. They see him as a, as a troublemaker. Um, you know, and no one, no one in the NBA in the rightful mind, uh, maybe the 76ers will want to trade for that contract. I, I, I don't want the Knicks nowhere near that contract. Um, but if it's a, if it's a, if it's a uh, buyout situation, I'm, 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 it's a different story, Chef Dan. What's your thoughts? Um, man, John Wall, John Wall. He um I know he's having a bit of a struggle in in uh, Houston. Part of that is I guess because they didn't they didn't have any young guys to build any set foundation last year. It seems like they just threw out guys to play, get things over with, and try and secure some high draft pick. They got the draft pick they got. So now you have a guy I believe in Eric Gordon. Uh, Eric Gordon. He's the only vet that's maybe left over. That's kind of teaching the guys the quote unquote Rockets way, but. Um, I don't know. John Wall, the, that contract is bad. It's telling that the only contract, like the only time he got traded was for a contract just as bad, or if not worse than his in Russell Westbrook. But, um, yeah, I think what he's doing is he, he's not asking for something that's out of bounds per se. If he gets a little bit of playing time and he shows that he can still play, it also helps the Rockets move it. But they're, what they're, what they're debating right now is, is it worth letting him play to get rid of that contract off the books versus, you know, maybe having a, 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 a I don't know, what is it? A, a, having a harder time of developing the young guys that they have. Right. We can't, you know, we cannot trade anyone in the second unit. I, I, I agree with you, Kelvin. Um, but I'm just, I, 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 I personally don't want, it's, it's you're going to have to send back the Rockets, you $34 million worth of salary. To, in order to bring John Wall in here. So you're talking about 34 million, you're talking about almost three players on the $10 million mark, you know, just to get him now, to, to even get John Wall here. And you got John Wall next year at 23 million. No, thank you. You know, um, and Ben Simmons is a media circus that isn't worth the risk of a championship. You know, I agree with you on that. Um, me personally, if he gets bought out and he's available, if I'm the New York Knicks, I call, I'll definitely call and I'll bring John Wall in here. Um, what about what about your roster spots? What you're going to do with your roster spots? Um, here's my here's my my. You're gonna have to take you're gonna have to take Kevin Knox. Offer him to a team. 
that wants an expiring contract and attach one of your first round picks, you know, one of the later first round picks and, and just get that contract off your off your roster and open up a roster spot for John Wall. You know, John Wall's another Kemba, but John Wall averaged yes last last year um 20 21.7.9 rebounds for a team that didn't have anyone anyone on there that could get besides Christian Woods that could score. Um, you put him on a team and John Wall still penetrates and still he's a good finisher. He's he's not he's not he's not one that's gonna take a lot of threes, you know. Uh, uh I think I think you know you pick your poison. That's if John that's if Kemba Walker doesn't work out and it's available out there. You know, Kemba there's still hope for Walker, but if it's not working out um and you you don't think quickly he's ready to be your starter, you don't want to disrupt it, you know, you gotta take your shots on goal. You need to, you know, take your goalie shots on goal. And, and especially in that point guard, and, and if you can get him for a mid-level inception, and you got to get rid of Knox with that first, with a, you know, because the best face it, the Knicks are not going to draft another three first rounders next year, and and expect we're going to have the same conversation next year. We're not playing the kids; they're they're on the bench, they're so forth, you know. So I don't know, Chef Dan, what's your thoughts on that one before we, you know, for end the night in a few minutes? Uh, Kev, I'm not going to lie for all that. I'm agreeing with uh, Kelvin T. Jones here. We really need to grow our own. So I'm not even like I. I know John Wall. He's a tra- He's an attractive case to some people. The Kentucky connection is there, but in reality, I'd rather keep Kemba or just have IQ, regardless of whether he's ready or not. I'd ha- I'd push IQ into that starting lineup. If not, then we always have a Derrick Rose that we can fall back on and keep IQ in the uh, off the bench. Right, but you still need that one more point guard. For all that, man, I we we're already going without a point guard. I'm not about to pay the mid level exception for John Wall. I, I, you know, the talent's there. It's not to. He's still a talented basketball player. It's just the talent that's needed for this team. I I prefer just you know hashing it out with uh, IQ. I mean, not, we could agree to disagree that one. I would take the flyer on him. Um, a guy that wants to play here, uh, bright lights, New York City. You know, this is just you know last opportunity, last chance. You know, in the league, Tom Thibodeau, all that. I think everything pointed where you know this is it. You want to make you know you've seen what the legend you know how, and we thought the same thing with Kemba Walker, and it's still. And remember, the the book on John on, on Kemba Walker is not over either. We're not closing that chapter either. But you know, hopefully. He, you know, Campbell Walker. I think that's what attracted Campbell Walker to come here to to restart his career, write the second chapter of his career, seeing what this has done to to Derrick Rose and gravitating to Derrick Rose. I think I'm gonna come here and do what Derrick Rose did, reinvent myself and and do it in New York. Um, you know, I I'm you know, that's what I'm hoping on. I'm hoping that uh, you know, if there's a wall down wall opportunity out there, because I don't see any other point guard. Um, you know, and they still need a point guard. Because no matter what we say, even if we put IQ in the starter role, um, you know, Derrick Rose, you can't go no more than 20, 20, 25 minutes a game. You can't play Derrick Rose more than 25. He wears down. You know, um, Kemmer pushes the pace, but only for himself. Um, I wish he could even push the pace for himself. He's not even pushing the pace, um, Kelvin. He, he's, he, he's just – I want. I would love him to push the pace. Um, that's what I want. I want to see him push the pace and go – you know, uh, north to south, but forty. No, not no, no, not for forty-seven million dollars, Alton. I'm I'm saying if they buy him out and we get him for six million or seven million, you know, takes a lower exemption. You know, he gets bought out. I'm not trading again. 
I am not trading for Kim, for John Wolf's that ridiculous contract. It is a re super ridiculous contract. No, no way, no how. No way, no how. Um, um, you know, I will not trade for him. But for six million dollars, seven million dollars for a, for remainder of the year, I hey, we weren't according. Um, and then the question is, we're not gonna, we're not, we're not expecting to win a title, right? So, even I'm not saying John Wall is gonna put us to win a title, but he, I, I don't know. I, 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 um, if we're not going to play McBride and we're going to keep throwing Kemba and the veterans out there and Kemba's not giving it and Wall is available, I don't know, try, let's try it. You never know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to keep an open mind. And that's my, that's my point. I'm keeping an open mind because uh, right now we don't see, what, what, we never know what the open market or what the, what the uh, candidates are going to have bought out, who's going to be available, who's going to be on the street. But it looks towards that John Wall be one of the first ones out there on the street looking for any team. You saw Boogie Cousins um, signed with the Milwaukee Bucks today. And a lot, a lot uh, with, the, with the defending champions, they're going to bring him into a, a, a winning championship environment. And he, this is pretty much his last shot here, if you ask me, to try to hook on and, and try, change his career and get into winning basketball. He's going to get to a winning organization. Um, it's good for Boogie Cousins to see him there. Hopefully, hopefully he gets, you know, a couple minutes on the floor and he makes the mess of, the best of it. You know, that's my point. That's why I was talking about John Wall. And John Wall isn't giving that money away. And that's why he's still there. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. This might be all, all, all hypotheticals. You know, um, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it, it, I'm just this might be all hypothetical and he's not going anywhere because, you know, I, I personally in the state of Texas, I want to get all my forty seven million dollars. Um, Alton Lee, you know, you know, we let's let's face it. This is a chance where you're able to get generational changing money, and you have forty-seven million dollars, and you don't get that much tax. Why would you leave some money on the table to go to a team that or a state that's going to tax you, you know, a lot of money out of that six million, and you drop, you're leaving money. Yeah, I can see that too, um, Alton Lee. Let's talk about the financial aspect uh, on the contracts as well. You know, I, you know, so yeah, maybe we're all just talking. Maybe that's why he wants to stay in Houston and play. And, and and play whatever role he can because you know it'd be nice for him to play you know he's young he wants to play and of course i i I'd rather have the full 47 million dollars than maybe what 27 you and you leave a, a half of it on the table and then you go play for six million and you get taxed and you only bring home five you know i don't know i you know what's your thoughts have then before um you're on that one i know you said we need a point guard so for all that i'd go to mcbride before i go to john wall Okay. Okay. Yeah, like it for all that. If we if we can get rid of Kem, if we can get rid of Kemba, if it's not working, then maybe you have um because I see a lot of people they're playing with the um the minutes count right now for our point guards, our starting backcourt. But um, Kelvin T. Jones has a you know he he has somewhat of a a, a thing going there. Give IQ twenty. If you want to give B Rose sixteen, cool. Give Kemba twelve. If Kemba's not here anymore, that twelve can go to uh, McBride. Right, right. That yeah, I I totally I don't see nothing wrong with that either. Um, I I totally agree with that. And I and actually before all of that, when they had their first losing streak before that um, Pacers game when they won at home, I was talking about there's no trades available. You could probably possibly bring a Patrick Beverly in here to help you on if you're worried about your guard defense playing some really good defense at guard. You could play a Patrick Beverly, you know, the, the, the 12 minutes, you know, you can have a three-headed monster with Beverly, Kemba, and Rose at your point guard type, and you can still keep IQ as a shooting guard or, or floating 
between the starters, um, mixing between the starters, and and you put a Patrick Beverly, um, you know, come in at times with Vanu quickly in your backcourt, where you know you 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 make yourself a really good defensive, but then you go back to what you said, Chef Dan. We're struggling on offense again because Patrick Beverly is not known for his offensive game. You know, so it's like ah, uh, you you trying you trying to play. Um, you know, YouTube 2K here with the with the Knicks roster, and it's just you can always find an avenue where you get stumped. And that, and and with all said of that, shut down. What's your thoughts on that one? The the YouTube 2K. Uh yeah. It oh man. <laughs> At the end of the day, because like the the game doesn't flow as seamlessly as just saying to give these guys the minutes. Sometimes a matchup will call for a certain player to play an yes. extended amount of uh, minutes. Sometimes, you know, some players are getting played right off the uh, floor to where you kind of have to shorten the rotation. And some guys may not have the gas for that. It's, it really is a case-by-case -case, uh, basis. But at the end of the day, what you do want, you want to give yourself the best opportunity to have the three best athletes that can um, execute the game plan that was taught from the coach. And the the – the best athletes we have in the backcourt as far as, you know, executing the game plan that Tibbs would want is realistically you have uh, Derek Rose and Emmanuel Quickly. Kemba has not proven himself to be that yet. Yeah, I agree with you there. What's going on, Knicks 100 AGM putting on some good tweets out there. So salute to you. I love his tweets out there. So thank you for, for coming aboard. Yeah, so um, – we shall see there. We got the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night. Uh, excuse me, Tuesday night. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we stack up there. You know, Brooklyn is struggling themselves. You know, James Harden is struggling um, with his shot. He's not getting to the line. You know, could it be the changing of the rules? You know, no no foul hunting. Could it be the ball? You know, they changed from a Wilson to uh, Sporting to a Wilson ball. Whatever the narrative, whatever it is. Um, right now, Brooklyn, it doesn't look like themselves doesn't look like they're clicking on all cylinders could it be the right time the knicks catches them you know we because we remember guys let's not take away from the the knicks victory last night the hawks were on a seven game winning streak we we, we played the night before a team that was on a 15 a 14 game winning streak and we played another team on a seven game winning streak on a back-to-back -back night that's impressive no matter what how much we're here we sound we're not we're not, we're not being negative about the team we just want to see them improve, and, and, and we can, we can try to tweak them. You know, our, our opinions, we would like to see them get tweaked. But there's something to say about this team, though. You know, you played a team that's red hot as the Suns, and then you could have laid a leg last night. You know, oh, we back-to-back. -back, we got our butts handed, and they came out, and they beat, they beat a seven a team that was on a seven-game winning streak, Chef Dan. Yeah, on top of that, they beat them in their own home court where they were, I believe, eight and one before – the Knicks beat them now eight and two. So it was a very impressive, uh, very impressive victory. I don't want to take away from the fact that uh they did lose uh Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he is a uh he is a, a light em up scorer for them that also provides some uh, some great forms of defense for them at time. But aside from that, we were down like I know we they were they were down bogey, and I think they lost Cam Reddish in the middle of the game. But we didn't have uh, Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson. We were down a lot of uh, plays that we, you know, are a lot more important to us. And the Hawks also have, um, the Hawks have a lot more chemistry. They didn't add too many new uh, 
new free agents. So they have a lot more chemistry in who was running out there, and they just didn't get the job done last night, and we did. And so uh, kudos to us. But the Brooklyn Nets are up next uh, on to our second home court. Yeah, absolutely. Our second home court tomorrow, uh, Tuesday night. It's going to be interesting to see the amount of Knicks fans are going to be in the building overshadowing um, the 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 Brooklyn fans. I think that that that's going to be. I'm looking forward more of that than the actual game. To be honest with you, um, you know, we see how loud you guys are, Knicks fans. Salute to everyone that this voice um, could be heard on either on on Spotify, here in YouTube, in Rumble, anywhere that you hear my voice. Salute to every person that is a fan of the orange and blue you guys deserve a great role a, a round of applause no matter what stadium you guys in even if it's in orlando all the way down to philadelphia to charlotte to atlanta you guys are loud you guys are in charge you guys are known that nick nation um no matter good bad or, or indifferent with our team we, we we will respond and we will have the team back and that's why we want to see a good product on the floor you know, we want to see a good product. We want to, we're, we're hungry. We are starving and we are hungry for a championship. And it shows that. And that's why we are, I commend every one of these Knicks fans that's listening to, to this podcast and, and salute to you guys, man. I want to thank everyone. With that, I'm going to end. I think tomorrow we'll, 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 we'll talk about the Brooklyn Nets once we get a little closer or when, or right before that. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, it's gonna see, it's gonna see how who in in this team is gonna try to stop Kevin Durant. No one really could, but who could contain him? And uh, James Harden, if, uh, another assignment for RJ Barrett. We'll see if he's really ready to take that step, next step. But with that said, I want to thank Alton Lee, Kelvin J- Kelvin Jones Senior, T Jones Senior, White Falcon Z from A to Z Media. Um, thank you so much, Maria was in the building. I want to thank everyone that's listening to us. Um, up and down, we we had still Nick's Ron was in the building as well. Spree, uh, I mean, uh, Nice was in the building as well. Thank you, Nice. We had, you know, we had Ashley. Ashley in New uh, Inc. was in the building as well. Thank you, Ashley. Um, thank you to Dan Jones. Thank you for Jerome. Um, thank you always coming in and out to the program. Palma de Coco, part of the program, always available whenever the stream is on. I always, you know, appreciate your support. Guys, I'm only uh, about 120 away from 2K, 2,000 subscribers. Let's get that. Let's get that, baby. Let's get that before Christmas. I want to get that 2K subscribers. I appreciate you. Yeah, um, subscribe, join us. Hey, watch along with us. You know, you know, you 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 could put the volume on low. Listen to us talk about it. Watch the game with us. That's what um the watch alongs we do. I focus more on the watch alongs, the podcast. I usually put it on audio, but we need to relax, like you said, relax as fans. Like you always said, Alton Lee, our our championship window doesn't start until 2023, and Alton Lee's been saying that since March. He's been saying that since March, a steady voice, a steady hand, as long as much as long. That's how long I've known Alton Lee on these platforms. He's kept even keel. He, he always gives us that, that right there, the rice and beans. Only 2023 is on window, and we shall get going with it. So we appreciate everyone joining us on this Sunday evening. I know everyone's going to get back to work for those who get back to work, uh, you know, and those um, that the, the holiday season has started. So we appreciate everyone on the holiday season. Um, happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish brothers and sisters, the first night of Hanukkah begins this evening. We appreciate you guys and Shalom. And uh, guys, we'll see you on the next time. And if I don't do another uh, podcast, we'll, we'll meet you. We'll see you at the watch along from myself and Chef Dan. Wishing you guys a wonderful, blessed night. And we shall see you pretty soon. <laughs>